Hey, listeners, before we get started, if you're enjoying these episodes, you can actually check them out on YouTube in full video. You can just search Honest Ecommerce and you'll get pulled right to our channel. Make sure you subscribe and ring the bell for all the updates. Understanding lifetime value, like it, it helps you understand where can I push on some of the levers. Welcome to Honest Ecommerce, a podcast dedicated to cutting through the BS and finding actionable advice for online store owners. I'm your host, Chase Clymer, and I believe running a direct-to-consumer brand does not have to be complicated or a guessing game. On this podcast, we interview founders and experts who are putting in the work and creating real results. I also share my own insights from running our top Shopify consultancy, Electric Eye. We cut the fluff in favor of facts to help you grow your e-commerce business. Let's get on with the show. Hey, everybody. Uh, welcome back to another episode of Honest Ecommerce. I am your host, Chase Clymer, coming to you through technical difficulties. We're making it happen. Uh, today, I'm, I'm welcoming an extremely smart guest. And this is a topic that we have not do- dove deep into yet. So I'm super excited to chat today with Paul Orlando. Paul teaches growth hacking and venture in- initiation or innovation? Venture initiation. But you can call Venture it initiation. E- either one sounds good. Maybe I'll change the name of the class. Hey, who knows? But anyways, he's teaching that at the University of Southern California. He runs the university startup program. Uh, he's built and operated four startup accelerators around the world. And he just wrote a book on growth units. It's sitting on my desk. And I am terribly sorry I haven't read it yet. It's on my to-do list. But he's going to teach us today all about unit economics, lifetime value, customer acquisition costs, and why that can be difficult to calculate. Uh, Paul, welcome to the show. Thanks, Chase. Really good to be here. So first and foremost, take me back. Uh, what made you uh, uh, an e-commerce numbers geek? So um, I'll, I'll actually tell you the the literal moment that uh, things changed, uh, I guess, for me. So I had been working with startups for a while. Like I had a startup of my own in New York for a couple of years where I learned lots of things the hard way and you know, was looking at conversion funnels. Maybe I'll tell you a little story about that you know, in a bit. But um, I ended up teaching at USC, um, kind of a coincidence of how I ended up there. And when I first got there, I decided I should really just get to know, you know, the campus. And I, I spent a couple of months talking to as many people as I could. I talked to probably just like a hundred students, um, when I first got hired, just in trying to understand like what's going well, what do you wish you had? You know, like how am I going to build something that's meaningful here? And I always remember this one conversation I had. It was, um, an MBA student at the time. He had an e-commerce company that he had been building. And he said to me, you know, um, I had to take this mandatory class in marketing, you know, to complete my degree. And last week I mentioned something about crowdfunding to the professor and he had no idea what I was talking about. Like he had never heard of Kickstarter and like, you know, things like this. And this is back in 2015. So it's not like these are brand new topics back then. So I started to, you know, just to wonder what the level of access the students had to some of these newer ideas was. Out of that, I started, you know, uh, I basically wrote this proposal to teach this brand new class, a class focused in growth hacking, which um, I believe was completely new, you know, for universities at the time anyway, certainly the first one at USC. And 
put this class together and it's been um, something that like I've learned, learned a ton from. Um, I think the students really enjoy it. And the way it works is I do two things in the class. So half of the work is I bring startups in. They get a student team to work with them on some element of their growth. It could be a paid ad campaign. It could be split testing, you know, uh, marketing copy. It could be trying to improve a conversion funnel on and on. The other half though more like the classroom half is all the stuff that's not really going to change. So all the unit economics, like the lifetime value, customer acquisition cost. how do you figure that out? And that's where I hit people most. Like those things are going to remain regardless of whatever new app comes up and replaces, you know, like TikTok, you know, uh, which we weren't talking about, you know, not that long ago, like whatever yeah. comes and replaces that you're going to have to know unit economics. So that's kind of how I, I got into this space. Oh, no, that's amazing. Uh, you know, well, now I'm going to say it out loud on the podcast. So this might become a more a more real thing is but I've always thought about um, looking into being an adjunct professor. I feel like I know a few things and it would be fun to I always have fun. This this podcast is fun. You know, educating clients is, is super fun. So I, I'm truly jealous of what you do to, to just be straightforward with you. You could do it. You could absolutely do it. And like the value of going in as an adjunct of if anybody listening like never heard that term, um, that basically means you know you're not a you know career academic. Your value comes from having you know built something, having worked you know somewhere. That expertise that you actually gained out in the marketplace, and now yeah. you're like bringing it back into, uh, I guess, an academic environment in a classroom setting. But you're probably taking a totally different approach than a you know a more academic you know professor so you you said something that i like really uh it resonated with me as well so we have like uh kind of like a a framework that we use for growth for our clients using some of the kpis that we're going to talk about here in a minute um but it's it's very simple and it's a framework because what you said is like uh, some of this stuff is never going to change but but then there's the other side of it is like you know within growth hacking especially it's like it's usually like rapidly changing Mm -hmm. so like you know, the economics behind how you can scale a business is always going to be the same, but the tactic you use to scale it, you know, Facebook ads were huge five years ago. Now people are like diving super into, into uh, TikTok and whatnot. But like, uh, that's just the, the tactic changing. The strategy yeah. is still the same. That's, that is exactly it. And that's why, you know, I figure like if I look back on the time that I've been just teaching that growth hanging class, you know, the stuff that we were doing in um, you know, 2015, 2016, you know, it seems so, uh, so quaint, you know, like now. Um, and obviously, just, just as you said, like, you know, the platforms that you use are going to change. Um, or you might say the things that used to be cheap, you know, or that, you know, because people hadn't discovered them yet, you know, um, become expensive, they stop working. But that overall framework or that thought process is still going to help you you know, in years to come. So, um, yeah, so like I, I figure, you know, mm-hmm. my value add is not necessarily going to be on staying up on like every, like, you know, like new thing that you should get into, but instead it's going to be, okay, how do you understand the way these things work? And if you want to go and you like, you're now using, you know, like web three stuff, or you're using like you know, something else that, um, maybe I or others or, less familiar with, or I've never done it myself, you know, uh, yet. Um, that's totally fine. But the thought process is still going to work for you. Absolutely. Um, so let's let's dive in here. Um, this one is 
I don't know. These are all kind of difficult concepts, but you're a professor, so you should hopefully be able to explain it in a oh, way boy. that our listeners can pick up. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, let's dive into to lifetime value. And, you know, I'll, I'll give you an easy one here. Like, why is this important to like the longevity of my brands? I priced my products. Why do I care about lifetime value? This is a really important concept for a couple of reasons. So first of all, if you're talking about building a sustainable business, and I mean financially sustainable in the sense, uh, you have to understand this. So lifetime value is, um, well, maybe I'll just step through like the parts of it. And then out of that comes why it's important. So um, there's a few parts to it. So you have your unit price, you know, whatever you're charging for this thing, you have the unit costs. And that can, you know, the, those two things can you know, um, you know, dramatically, you know, be different. You know, you could price based on like your, the, the value that you're creating. You could try to move the costs somewhat, you know, maybe with, you know, uh, if it's a physical product with like, you know, bulk, you know, purchases. If it's software, like your costs in theory per unit are very low. Um, so you have those two pieces. And then you also have some measure of retention. So like repeat purchases. That people are, you know, they're coming back, they're buying again and again, whether it's they're going to like your, your website, your e-commerce store, and they're like, you know, clicking buy again, or it's a subscription of some type and it's a little more predictable. So you have those three parts. And then if you just stopped there, you could multiply a couple things out and it gives you this number and you say, oh, okay, lifetime value is, you know, for us, it's a hundred dollars, it's a thousand dollars, whatever. Um, what you miss, though, is the timing. So when I do this exercise, you know, for companies and like when I, you know, have done it for myself, I like to actually model it out like it's a sequence of flows. So you could just think about doing this in a spreadsheet if you want to, you know, manually do it. Um, that will give you a better understanding of, okay, when do I get those payments in or when am I paying out for things? And if you do that, um, it'll give you like a, a better understanding of, okay, you used to say lifetime value was a hundred dollars. Oh, actually it takes me two years to get that hundred dollars or no, actually I get that, you know, all up front depending on the, the business type. Um, but if you're building a business and, you know, um, even if you raise money, eventually this has to be a financially sustainable, you know, business, um, understanding lifetime value, like, it, it helps you understand where can I push on some of the levers? Should I try to increase price? Should I work on retention, et cetera? Um, and, you know, um, it's just kind of like the, uh, the core understanding of how your business works. If you're struggling with scaling your sales, maybe Electric Guy can help. Our team has helped our clients generate millions of dollars in additional revenue through our unique brand scaling framework. You can learn more about our agency at electriceye.io. That's E-L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-Y-E.io. Mesa is the expansion pack for your Shopify store to level up your brand. By turning all your apps into your business epicenter, Mesa can help lighten your workload and tame the day-to-day -day chaos of running your store. Join successful brands like Mudwater, Chubbies, and Golden to learn how to use clever workflows to get more done without more overhead. Whether you need to order details in Google Sheets, products added on Etsy, or customer information updated in your CRM, Mesa connects your data where it's needed most. To put it quite simply, Mesa is a better way to work. Browse pre-made templates for Shopify's most popular apps to get your first automation up and running in minutes. 
Search Mesa, that's M-E-S-A, in the Shopify App Store and download the app today. Is your store holiday ready? Now is the time to make sure you and your team are prepared for the busy season ahead. Gorgeous, an omni-channel help desk built for e-commerce has machine learning functionality that takes the pressure off small support teams and gives them the tools to manage a large number of inquiries at scale, especially during the holiday season. Gorgeous combines all your different communication channels like email, SMS, social media, live chat, and even phone into one platform and gives you an organized view of all your customer inquiries. Their powerful functionality can save your support team hours per day and makes managing customer orders a breeze. Merchants can close tickets faster than ever with the help of pre-written responses integrated with customer data to increase the overall efficiency of customer support. Their built-in automations also free up time for support agents to give better answers to complex product-related questions, providing next-level support, which helps increase sales, brand loyalty, and recognition. Eric Bandholtz, the founder of Beard Brand, says, We're a seven-figure business, and we have essentially one person on customer support and experience. It's impossible to do it without tools such as Gorgeous to help us innovate. Learn how to level up your customer support by speaking to their team. Visit gorgeous.grsm.io slash honest. Mention this podcast when you sign up to get two months free. That's G-O-R-G-I-A-S dot G-R-S-M dot I-O slash H-O-N-E-S-T. Today's show is sponsored by the Be Profit app for e-commerce sellers. If you're looking to get a crystal clear picture of your online store's profitability, the best way to do that is with the Be Profit Profit Tracker. Your online business probably has a ton of different expenses that often shift and change. What if you could keep accurate track of things like ad spend and production costs and get an accurate profit margin calculation without the headache of spreadsheets or half-baked apps? That's where Be Profit comes in. BeProfit lets you analyze all of your store's data quickly and accurately to stay on track and optimize your profits. I know a lot of our listeners out there probably keep track of their profits and expenses with a spreadsheet. That will work for a while, but as your store starts to scale up, that simply isn't a viable method of accurately measuring profitability anymore. BeProfit can change all of that for you. Available on Shopify and all the other top e-commerce platforms, the app offers advanced analytic tools to turn mountains of data into intuitive charts and graphs in the blink of an eye. Customize your dashboard, discover valuable insights, and zoom in on the metrics that matter most to you. Take it a step further and gain full control over your data by creating and exporting custom reports. You can even find out which are your most valuable products, top performing ads, best customer cohorts, and so much more with the Be Profit Profit Tracker. Visit beprofit.co today to start your 7-day trial. Don't forget to use code HONEST15, that's H-O-N-E-S-T-1-5, to get an exclusive 15% off any plan you choose for the lifetime of your plan. That's bprofit.co, discount code H-O-N-E-S-T-1-5. Getting an online business off the ground isn't easy. So if you find yourself working late, tackling a to-do list that's a mile long with your fifth cup of coffee by your side, remember, great email doesn't have to be complicated. That's what Klaviyo is for. It's the email and SMS platform built to help e-commerce brands earn more money by creating genuine customer relationships. Once you set up your free Klaviyo account, you can start sending beautiful branded messages in minutes thanks to drag and drop design templates and built-in guidance. And with e-commerce specific recommendations and insights, you can keep growing your business as you go. Get started with a free account at klaviyo.com honest. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash H-O-N-E-S-T. A follow-up question would be there. You said there's a few var- variables involved. So there, from my understanding of it, there isn't a one-way 
to calculate this. That's true. You'll see many different ways people do this. The way I have come to like the most is, I guess it's that way I started to describe. So you will, yeah. you will see people who do it um, purely using revenue and not factoring unit cost in. Um, you'll see people who only do it as a single static number uh, rather than as a sequence of flows. Um, I So I, I like the way I do it because it does let you see um, those three different parts that you could try to, to push on. And of course, if you try to push on one, you might impact the other two. But, yeah. um, but I figure like the biggest difference that I see, so like the, the most common, um, other way of doing it, I'd say is just using top line revenue or like unit, you know, like the unit price. Um, you're losing a lot of information there. You, in other words, you could be selling a product at which you are, you know, losing money on every sale in the extreme example. And yet in that different calculation of lifetime value, it seems like things are great. So I like to add those unit costs in. Um, obviously that's not all the costs you have, like, you know, stuff like, you know, uh, compensation, you know, rent, you know, things like that that are fixed costs. They don't get baked in typically to a lifetime value calculation. But um, at least putting in a unit cost, it helps me understand, okay, every time I sell one of these things, what's really happening? Like, what's that contribution margin I get back? Absolutely. And I think uh, that one thing I want to highlight about, about the way that you're approaching this uh this calculation is the time for return. Like when mm -hmm. am I going to see that money return? Because if it does take longer than I guess you can float the business with cash on hand to see that money come back from an acquisition standpoint, you could go bankrupt. And I might've just like went to 300 level stuff real fast. So I really want to break that down really, really easily. Could you try to explain what I just said in like the simplest terms? Yeah. So, um, and this is what I call, you know, in that growth units book, I call it like the difference between like static LTV or like here's a single number and dynamic or like uh, LTV is a river, like a river of flows that come in. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, like uh, product businesses, like especially physical products you know, uh, businesses, if we're talking food and beverage, if we're talking especially like hardware, you know, where you are buying components and assembling them, there's typically this lag time that you have just in the normal way the business operates. Like you have to buy some type of components or ingredients, or you have to pay somebody first. And only after that, do you finally have the ability to sell and get paid? Um, setting aside things like pre-sales or you know, stuff like that. But um, yeah, if you don't consider that timing, then exactly what you just said, like if you don't consider it, then you might think, oh, this is amazing. I signed up a new customer. You know, I, as far as I understand, I'm going to make, you know, whatever the number is, $100 back from them. But if you don't realize that, yeah, it's going to take you, you know, a year, you know, two years to actually get that money back, you have, you've constricted the way you can grow. And then also, especially if you are paying for acquisition, you know, we haven't talked about customer acquisition cost yet, but if you're paying for acquisition, then you might actually like, um, like you said, you might you might already be out of business by the time that you could have received that LTV, you know, back. Um, so yeah, understanding timing is is really important. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's let's just segue right into customer acquisition costs. Um, and you know, there that one might be a little more straightforward, I I think to to explain out. But I'll let you do the honors. Sure. So um, 
I like to do this on a per customer basis. So here again, a way that you will often see people do customer acquisition cost is they'll say, okay, well, um, last month, you know, I spent 10 grand on all my, you know, my marketing, all my uh, customer acquisition efforts, uh, 10 grand, you know, I, I signed up a uh, thousand customers. So CAC is $10. And that's a little challenging, right? You know, so first of all, you don't necessarily know if what you spent in that month um, is directly, you know, connected to the people who became customers in that month. So you've got that timing mm -hmm. issue there as well. But um, I like to do it a little differently, you know, so rather than here's the aggregate, you know, that might be all that you can do in some situations, but I like to do it where I can based on like a customer per customer sign up. So for me, it's two parts. It's um, how much it costs to get somebody in the door, like what I call in the door, which could literally mean in the door of your store or, you know, in the door of your website, right? Anything digital. And then um, divided by the conversion rate that, you know, once they are there, how likely do, are they to convert to be a paid customer? So, you know, it could be, okay, it costs me a dollar to get somebody to, you know, click an ad and land on my website. And then once they're there, you know, they convert at 10%, $10 uh, customer acquisition cost. Um, and if you do it that way, and I'll say you know, both for CAC and for LTV, if you do it uh, in this way, you can then start to get like a little deeper into these numbers. So rather than there just being one number, CAC is $10, you know, you can say, oh, well, what we've seen is this channel, like uh, Facebook ads, you know, yeah, CAC is like, you know, $10. TikTok, it's $5. Um, we have this... Um, yeah, you know, we have this mailing list that we just organically grew. That's zero, you know, dollars. You know, um, and you can start to then you know, uh, do CAC by channel. You could also then do it by type of customer. So, like, are you getting a? Could literally be like the value to them uh, to, to your business. So, are you getting a like a, a premium customer signed up? Are you getting somebody who is, you know, um, there on a basic plan? Uh, like all variations of that. Same on the LTV side, you know, segmenting that out by customer type, by channel, um, you know, gives you a lot of value. And then connecting the two, LTV and CAC, you could then talk about payback periods. So you might, you know, say, okay, well, for this type of segment or this channel, um, LTV is $100, you know, CAC is, um, $10 seems like we've got a really healthy ratio there, 10 to one. But in this case, it takes us like two years to actually recoup um, that, that hundred dollars. And it takes us um, making up the numbers here. It takes us like, you know, three months to pay back that $10 acquisition cost. Can I eat that cost for $10 or for, for, for three months? Yes. No. Okay. Uh, do it. Don't do it. So yeah, my, my whole, um, the whole reason I kind of like go into this detail, you know, both with you here and uh, like in the book is, you know, we hear these numbers or these terms thrown around a lot. Once you really want to get into some of the detail, um, you know, you're, you're going to have to change the way you think a little bit, but like understanding this framework of, okay, how do I calculate these two important metrics for my business, LTV and CAC? And then how do I understand the relationship between them? 
And then therefore, if I want to try to grow, what do I think is going to happen or what might change? You know, if I want to pump more money into an ad campaign, you know, probably I'm going to not perform very well in the very beginning. I'm just figuring things out. Uh, maybe I improve a little bit because my, you know, my you know, ad copy is better or like the way I, way I do it is better. And then I run out of people eventually. And so like the, the cost starts to go up again or I run out of the ideal customer. Same thing for LTV, you know, it might work a little differently. Like, hey, I'm improving the product as I go along. Um, maybe I can actually drive uh, LTV up over time. And that's what you see. Like if you look at um, if you look at companies that have been around for a while and if uh, you can get their numbers or if you talk to people or if they're a public company, you can see their numbers. Like if you look at a company like Facebook, you know, um, the most recent annual report that they showed, like if you look at the US region for them, they earn, I believe it's something like 30 or 30 some dollars per user per quarter. So $120, $130 per year. And and maybe that's going to go down a little bit with competition from TikTok, you know, now. But mm-hmm. if you look at their annual reports from a few years ago, it was like half of that, you know, number or maybe even less. So there's an example of a business that even as they grew, they got better at either showing ads, you know, um, more appropriately, like they, they were improving the revenue side of their product. Um, whether you as a user like that isn't, you know, or, or not because you're seeing yeah. more ads or, you know, it's, it's more annoying. But, um, but over time, if you stick with this, you should be able to figure out, okay, how do I improve some of the levers, um, you know, that make up LTV and CAC? Yeah. And, you know, another thing to consider is once you have an understanding of these numbers, it makes you a lot more comfortable with leveling up on your marketing investments. Um, and you know, the biggest example I can think of this is Starbucks. They are saying that their customer lifetime values are in the tens of thousands right. of dollars. So they are. That's why they're on every corner. You know, that's why you see their marketing everywhere is because they've done the calculation and they're like, if we can get them through the door once, mm-hmm. we should do it a hundred cups, a thousand cups more. I don't know how the math is. Starbucks is expensive. No, and that's such a great example. And we we sometimes don't think of like big companies that have been around for decades, you know, as still like experimenting or, or, or trying to improve you know, the way they work it but it's it's so true um yeah and and in that starbucks example that's why they ended up at least 20 years ago you know or more saying all right um how do we make this the place that people will go and hang out you know like the the typical model you know before them was I mean, coffee is coffee. You go in, you know, to a diner, you, you get a cheap cup of coffee, you know, you're out. There's no reason I would want you to sit here for hours. But for Starbucks, it's like, well, hey, if you sit here for hours, like the tough thing was actually getting you in, sit here for hours, you order that second coffee or buy something there. That is, it's a really fat margin that, that you have in the coffee business. So, um, so like it's totally worth it. I even remember I was talking to the founder of Kinkos a few years ago, and he was explaining how when he started that business. Um, so Kinkos is they make copies, you know, basically you know you get yeah. things printed or bound, whatever. Um, seems like a really straightforward business, and um, I believe he was talking to some outside potential investors who at the time were telling him, "You got to stop giving away." So many like like 
somebody comes up and they say, uh, I wanted this re you know, reprinted. You're just doing it like for free for them. You, you need to like start to charge. People are going to take advantage of you. You, you shouldn't give away like a free you know, copy. And his pushback was basically, look, that costs nothing. You know, um, paper is super cheap. The ink is super cheap. I already bought the machines. So if they're idle, they're not generating anything for me. I'm not saving anything either. So somebody comes in and wants me to redo um, uh, like a, a copy for them, I should just do it because if I don't, I'm going to upset them. They're not going to come for you know the next project they have. I might as well just give that away. It costs me like pennies, and then in the long run, I'm making like you know multiples of that. Um, so yeah, I think like uh, th those big businesses where you see a lot of them, like lots of these you know coffee places, you know coffee shops. Um, where, where they are thinking long term and they do have a brand, they can do something that's a little special. That's also it's a little different than like the mom and pop you know coffee store or the mom and pop like you know we have a copy you know, a, a copy machine you know come in for the copies. So um, yeah, I, I love looking at you know traditional businesses because you could actually learn a lot. You know they've they've lived this long, so you could learn a lot from how they were successful. Absolutely, I mean. Uh... You can learn so much from the kind of the older school models, but that's the big difference between that and like modern e-commerce is it is modern e-commerce is so lean and it it goes so fast. Uh, and you know, if you don't have an understanding of these numbers, like you can't really a you're not going to be able to scale the way that you want. B you're not going to be ever be able to get investment because that's the first thing you ask is for some of these numbers. Um, so you know, it's a fun it's a fun space to be in. Definitely. Definitely. So I got your book right here. For people on YouTube, this is what it looks like. Uh, for people listening on the podcast thing, please go subscribe on YouTube. We're trying to get those numbers up. Um, so anyways, what else What else is going to be in this book if they actually want to go and pick it up? So I wrote this to be like really straightforward, really useful. Um, my whole... And, and I'll even mention, like I ended up um, putting this together because my style of working with startups, you know, in these uh, accelerator programs or my style of teaching was always just like live in the moment here. Let me put something up on the whiteboard. Let's work through this. You know, uh, we'll figure this formula out together kind of thing. Um, and then when everything went remote, you know, with COVID, I, you know, I just realized that that model didn't work as well or wasn't as natural anymore. So I wrote this book very much in a, I think like a natural, easy to understand way. Um, so what's in it is a section up front that helps you understand customer acquisition cost. We kind of talk through some of the elements of that. Um, conversion funnels, you know, uh, same for lifetime value, you know, um, looking at churn, looking at uh, different types of retention. Um, and then also, um, you know, something that I uh, added in because we ended up seeing this, you know, with the pandemic, you know, what happens with um, inflation increasing that, you know, you weren't expecting that previously. And, and now, you you know, you end up getting that. Um, and then the second part of the book, I go through some um, some like mini case studies about specific types of your business types. So I ended up looking at everything from like uh, mattress, uh, both the physical and digital, you know, mattress uh, sales, uh, subscriptions, um, mobility companies, uh, consumer packaged goods. You know, um, 
I even threw in some stuff on organized crime and uh, 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 captchas and cryptocurrencies. You know, so um, I uh, I think it's a fun read because it it gives you this really kind of broad mix of business types. But upfront, like the core of that first half is, let's just make sure I can step through you know this framework and understand how it might work for my business if I'm trying to understand my own. LTV and CAC. Absolutely, Paul. And if and if I'm listening to this show and I wanna I wanna go and pick up the book, where do I go? Easiest place to go is Amazon. Just search for the title "Growth Units" and you should see it. Yeah, it's a big yellow, black, and red cover. It says Paul Orlando on there, uh, and and you should pick it up. Uh, is there anything I forgot to ask you today that you think would resonate with our audience? I think we we covered a lot of the big things here. Um, but uh, yeah, like the the last thing, it's not that you forgot to ask me, but the last thing I would say is, you know, um, if you're coming up with just a single number for any of these metrics, like oh, LTV is a hundred dollars, or CAC is. Um, that means that you probably are just starting to dig in. And once you go another level in, you'll, you'll find that you have multiple answers to that question. So I hope that, you know, your listeners here, like take that second step, you'll go a little deeper. And if you like, check out that growth units book. I think it will help you out. Awesome. Paul, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's a pleasure. Thanks, Chase. All right. I can't thank our guests enough for coming on the show and sharing their knowledge and journey with us. We've got a lot to think about and potentially add into our own business. You can find all the links in the show notes. Make sure you head over to honestecommerce.co to check out all of the other amazing content that we have. Make sure you subscribe, leave a review. And obviously, if you're thinking about growing your business, check out our agency at electriceye.io. Until next time.